And I'm reading from the book of Luke. It's chapter. I'm reading from verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came and he looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy. Then Jesus said to him, go and do God, sit down. Lord, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak through me today, that you, what you want said, what you want conveyed, Lord, I simply hear you, and you would speak through me. I ask, Lord, that you you would help me, and you would manifest your power. I Amen. 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 Over the uh, last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of um, discussion, which is which is great when the church is talking about revival because we can see um, what has been happening in the U.S. And you know, in in that discussion, there's a lot of questions. You know, does revival start with God? Does it start with man? Does it start with a place? Is it an end or is it simply a means to an end? And as I was hearing some of the discussion over the last couple of weeks, I remember years ago um, reading some of the, the greats, Tozer and um, Ravenshill, and, and I read a lot of literature on, on revival. And there was just one line, it was like a throwaway line, and it really hit me. 
And it basically said, and I can't even remember the author, but it basically said that revival will last as long as love lasts. And it just really hit me. And I thought, well, if we, if we are praying that we are going to be men and women on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are sent out him, we must be praying for love. First of all, to sustain ourselves and to, to sustain us corporately. And I was looking at this account that Jesus was speaking from, and he's talking to a lawyer. And in those days, they would have known that lawyer wouldn't have been just surrounded with Ten Commandments. He would have been surrounded with 613 commandments. And he would have known the, the moral law of God. He would have known the ceremonial law. He would have known the civil law. And he asked Jesus a question. And he says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus turned around and he said, what is your reading of the law? And I thought the lawyer actually was quite brilliant because I thought he tied up Deuteronomy 6.5, where it says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And then he ties that up with Leviticus 19.18, which for us is a different book. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And the question is, why is this so important to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 22, he turns around and he says, he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. So on these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. And it's really important, particularly for those of us who love the prophetic, everything has got to get stripped back Loving God and loving one another. And I just want to lift up that uh, lady, that mum. Lord, I just asked Father God, you know someone who came here, they wanted to hear you, they wanted to worship. And I ask right now that you pour out your spirit over them and their children. I'm asking Lord, what they're thirsting for, that you would release rivers and rivers of living water, Lord, over them. And I ask this in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. So, the lawyer turns around and, and his, his quest is, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, he the lawyer ties the two laws together and Jesus ties the two laws together. And it's important that we know what is happening in the world, that the enemy, he wants to separate the two laws because together is righteousness. Together, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ has fulfilled all the law. And what the enemy wants to do, he wants to separate loving from God, and he wants to separate it that mankind will simply love one another. And, you know, this week, um, there was a, a really putrid campaign by Seafolly. It's, it's a swimwear um, company and I was so grieved by what they put up in their campaign 
I, I wrote to the CEO and I got a reply back. And in it, I realized that what mankind is so trying to do in this day and age, they're trying to say, let's love one another. But to love mankind separated from the love of God, we can only offer up something that is so defiled and so demonic. But, church, if we are in that place where we are worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ, where we might be even sacrificing to him, but we don't love our brother, then we are in great danger of allowing a religious spirit. The world's got a humanistic spirit, and I know it's happening. But we can be in danger of allowing a religious spirit to come down over us. And Satan is so crafty. He's done this from the word go. I was thinking about Cain. And, and Cain was worshipping. He was sacrificing to God. He was actually bringing an offering to God. But you know something? He didn't love his And he killed his brother. So in one moment, he's worshipping God. He's got the vertical, but he doesn't have horizontal. And God sees what Cain does. And then Cain has this moment of anguish in Genesis 4. And he says, I know that you've now hidden your face from me. So we must, as the people of God, we have to these two laws together. And in this account, Jesus makes a, to me, I, I feel like it's such a, a simple point. And he says that we've got this certain man, he's on his journey, and he's gone down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he's lying in the middle of the highway. He's stripped, he's vulnerable, he is weak, and he is in great, great need. And then, we have the priest and the Levi. And they actually see him. It's not that they didn't see him. They saw him, but they both did something. They passed by. They looked and they passed by. And I believe that the Lord is basically making a simple point because what do these two have in common? They had the law. They knew to love God. They knew to love their neighbor as themselves. And it's important that we notice that when we pass by, there are real consequences. It's not neutral. One, God is saying, he sees every time we walk past someone. And in Isaiah 58, and if you want to turn there, God is saying, would you tell, he's, he's speaking to the prophet, and he says, would you go and tell people their sins? And would you even tell the house of Jacob what they're doing wrong? And he notes something about the people of God. He says in verse 2 of Isaiah 58, he says, they are seeking me, and they're seeking me daily, and they delight to know my way. And they're also asking for justice, and they take delight in approaching God. But they're asking a couple of questions of God. They're saying in verse 3, Well, why have we fasted, Lord, and you haven't seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? 
And, and then we have the response of God. He says, in fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure, you exploit all your laborers. And in verse 6, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning, and your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. And here it is. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. Listen to this, verse 11. The Lord will guide you continually. I'm going to say that again. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Here what we have so many incredible promises just in this one passage. And I love it. It says, you shall be like a watered garden whose waters do not fail. They cannot fail if we are truly loving people. So God sees when we go past someone. And then a little bit more sobering is that God judges. And we have, and many of us know this story well, we have the rich man and we've got Lazarus. And in Luke chapter 16, verse 19, We've got the rich man, he's clothed in purple and he's having the most amazing, sumptuous fare every day. And right at his gate, there's a certain beggar who's full of sores called Lazarus. And he was laid at his gate. Now, Lazarus didn't ask the rich man for his house. He didn't ask for his table. He wasn't even asking him for his food. What he was asking for were the crumbs. And in those days, Rich people, when they would eat, they would wash their hands on bread, and that bread would be thrown away. So this beggar at the gate, where the rich man can see daily, he ignores his need. And then we see the judgment of God in Luke chapter 16. And the rich man, both of them have died. The rich man is in torment, in this hellish torment. And he cries out in verse 24, and he says, Lord, would you have mercy on me? Would you send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue? He says, I am absolutely tormented in this flame. And then Abraham says in verse 25, son, 
remember. And, you know, I just thought about that, and I thought, how tormenting hell would be if you remembered everything that you had missed. And Abraham's son, remember, you received good things, evil, and Lazarus, evil things. And so the rich man says, would you just send him to my five brothers on earth? Would you just send him to them so they don't come to this place? And then Abraham says, they have Moses. They have the prophet. He says, they've got the law. They know the law to love God and to love one another. He says, they've got the law. So we don't want to be people who pass by. And sometimes you might go, oh, I wouldn't pass by a stranger. Sometimes the person that's in the middle of their path from Jerusalem to Jericho, it might even be someone that you know. It might be someone in your workplace. It might be someone in in your family. And I was uh, reminded of this week, I was counselling a a family with a lot of um, drama and there was a, a young adult male and he was just causing absolute mayhem, police, AVO, etc., etc. And in it all, forgetting all the bad stuff and bad actions, it was obvious that he was bleeding and in a place of pain. And I spoke to some Christians and they were like, no, it's too hard. I'm blocking him, it's just too hard. And then I spoke to the foster dad who's not walking the Lord. And he turned around and he said out of his own mouth, he said, I have decided I'm going to suffer with him. And I've decided, whoa, I've decided that I'm going to get him the help that he needs. And I said to him, I said, you are never, ever going to regret that. So The question we might ask ourselves is, what do we say if we pass by? And some of the things I know I've been absolutely guilty of in the past is that you might go, oh, it's too hard. It's inconvenient. Look, I would do it, but not today. I've heard other things. Oh, well, that's just generational sin. I've always told that person that road is dangerous. You shouldn't be on that road. And so sometimes we can turn around and we can say things which sound righteous but they are actually self-righteous. And we can leave someone in a place that God doesn't want them to be left. And I've heard it said, this was at my last church, I heard it said that God only helps those who help themselves. That is a lie. This Bible teaches us that God sends people to help those who cannot help themselves. That is our God. If we don't know who our God is, the scripture says we perish through lack of knowledge. And I want to praise God because we're told really simply that in this passage, the one thing that the good Samaritan had, he had compassion. And out of that compassion, action to help flowed. And there's a difference between empathy and compassion. Empathy is when we can actually feel the emotions 
of what someone is going through. But compassion is when we turn around and we say, I'm going to alongside. I'm going to walk with that person. That is compassion. And the disciples, they struggled with the difference because in the feeding of the 5,000, they saw the multitude. And, and they said to the Lord Jesus, look, they've been with us for a long time. We need to send them away because they're hungry. So they had empathy. And then Jesus says these words. He turns around and he says, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And he says, I do not want to send them away hungry. Least they faint on the way. That is God. That is who Jesus is. He does not want anyone to faint on the way. And the psalmist says that anyone who is feeling faint-hearted, we can cry out, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. So when Jesus is moved by compassion, it is then that we see miracle after miracle. And I wrote down three things. I could have gone through all the Gospels and I'd literally be here forever. But I wrote down three things. When Jesus was moved by compassion, in Matthew 20, 34, it says that Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. Immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. When Jesus had compassion, demons flee. We have a distraught father in Mark 9 of a demon-possessed child who's getting thrown into the fire and into the water, getting destroyed. And this distraught father says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus then stands up and says, deaf and dumb spirit, come out of him. That is the compassion of God. And then we have a woman in a procession. And all she's doing, she hasn't even spoken to Jesus. She is weeping because it is her son that is in the coffin. It is her son that is dead. She hasn't said anything, but it says in the scripture that Jesus saw her weeping and he said, do not weep. And then he took the coffin and he says, young man, I say to you, arise. And I've heard people say, that the Lord Jesus does not heal today. I say to you, he is compassionate. And he is the same yesterday. He is the same today and he is the same forever. And when he heals us, it is because he has compassion on us. And he also turns around and says in Romans 9, he says, the Lord says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I choose to have mercy. I will have compassion on whoever I choose to have compassion on. And Hebrews tells us that even when we are ignorant, even when we are led astray, the scripture says he himself he, he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also clothed in weakness. He knows everything 
that we are going through. So how do we move in compassion? And, you know, one of the most sobering scriptures is in 1 John 3.10. And it says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. But listen to this. Nor is he who does not love his brother. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So what must we do? What must I do? We must put off that old man. Because that beggar came knocking at the gate. And I want to ask you a question. Is there someone right now in your life who is knocking at your gate? If we don't put off the old man that has a callous and a hard, carnal human love, that can be quick to get angry, offended, resentful, when that knock is coming. We need to put off the old man and we need to put on Christ because he has completely and perfectly fulfilled the law. And we are told that God is love. And if we abide in him and we spend time with him, we're spending time in the presence of love. And we want to ask the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit, I do not have the love that I see that you have. I look at that cross, and this is how we know love, that he laid down his life for us when we were still dead in our sins. And he wants each one of us to lay our lives down, not just for our families, but Isaiah 58, we start with our families, but not just our families. He wants us to lay our lives down for the brethren. And then he turns around in 1 John and he says, "And Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us and we have confidence towards God, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And I'm aware that at times as we are going on our journey from Jerusalem to Jericho, Sometimes we can suffer something, and I heard someone say it this week, compassion fatigue. And we need to recognize it. And we also need to know that Revelation 12 says that when the enemy starts to speak out against the Most High God, at the same time, he does everything to wear out the saints. And we need to say, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are not going to be worn out, but we are going to get refreshed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are going to burn, and we are going to go out there to our Jerusalem, to wherever the Lord sends us. And we're going to go out there, not just the hands and the feet, but the very heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when that happens, the world changes and so do we. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray if you'd like to stand up.
Lord Jesus, we come before you now and we're asking, Lord, that you would just come and you would do, Lord, whatever you need to do in each of our hearts. I'm asking, Lord, where our hearts need to be softened, where we need to totally trust you with the situation, the circumstances or the people Lord, that are surrounding us right now, Lord, in every trial and test of love. I'm asking, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would just come and you would fill us with your love. Father God, I lift up any person who is suffering compassion fatigue, Lord, in their marriages, with their children. Father God, in any and every situation, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would just come. And you would do what only you can do, that you would revive each one of us, that you would refresh us so deeply. Father God, would you forgive us where we've walked by the flesh and not by your spirit? I'm asking right now, Lord, in your love, Lord, that Father God, in the same way that you stopped your disciples and what they were trying to do, Lord, I ask, Father God, that you would stop us. Lord, if there's any person we're trying to send that problem away, send that need away, we say, Lord, it's too hard. I'm asking right now that you would come and you would increase our faith in you and in your power and in your love that you have for each person on this earth, Lord. Father God, would you come from on high? Would you fill each of us to overflowing? with yourself and with your love. Father God, where we've allowed the world's thinking to separate, Father God, these divine commandments, I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and renew our minds. That, Father God, that we would say to the people out there, love God first and then love one another. Father God, I ask right now, Father God, that you will pull down every lie, every stronghold, Father God, of the enemy, and Lord, that you would establish your truth in each of our minds. And I ask all of this in the most precious name of Jesus.